I'm going to invite my buddy Nate Wilson up. You guys can give Nate a hand as he comes to stage. And uh, I introed uh, the series a bit last week, but uh, I know we're, we weren't all here, and so I will, I'll do it again. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, well, actually, in, in this past year, about a year and a half ago, there was uh, a Bible college, the Bible college that I, I grew up or that I went to after high school that trained me to be a pastor. They, they shut down, and this was indicative of a larger... Um, issue that has gone on in the Western world of Bible colleges dipping in attendance, um, less and less pastors being uh, trained and educated um, for ministry. And when my Bible college shut down, I felt like God specifically um, tugged on my heart and asked the question, uh, you know, what's your response to this? Because when the Bible college movement was launched, you know, a century ago, it was a movement out of the local church. The local church said, we need to take seriously discipling, equipping our young people for ministry. Um, and the Bible college movement was birthed out of that heart. But over time, the local church actually stopped seeing the Bible college as a legitimate way for them to, for the local churches to raise up their young people for ministry. And so this disconnect happened over time. But the problem is that we didn't replace that with anything else. We didn't, uh, we didn't replace the Bible college movement with a, with a different way of raising, equipping, releasing young people into ministry. Um, and so I felt very specifically about a year and a half ago, the Lord say, uh, Matt, what's your response to this? Uh, how are we as a church going to um, actually take ownership again as a local church in equipping and releasing people into ministry? Uh, so a year ago, I tapped Nate on the shoulder with uh, Dalen and Sid, who spoke last week, and I, I just said, hey, would you guys be willing to be guinea pigs for a ministry school? Um, you know, this is very much behind the heart of SunWest to equip and release people into ministry, and we want to take it seriously, but we got to, you know, figure this out, and would you commit a year? And so they committed a year, you know, 10 hours a week, five hours every Tuesday morning, five hours of ministry during the week, and they did this all year long, uh, just intentionally being... Uh, trained and equipped and discipled, uh, and uh, not necessarily to be pastors, but to be uh, ministers wherever God might have them. Because uh, we do really believe here at SunWest that God calls every single person to be a minister, every single person to be his hands, his feet, his voice, wherever he has you. Pastor is one expression of that. Stay-at-home mom might be another one. A doctor, an engineer, a framer. I, I don't know what you guys are working in the oil and gas, uh, procrant programming. Uh, what were the other ones they said? I, you know, there's a whole list of them. Uh, wherever God might have you, uh, that's where he has you for a reason. Uh, and so the idea of the, the school of ministry was to equip and re release people into ministry and recognize that call in their lives. Um, someone asked me after last week, you know, is this just a, you know, do you have to be like 18 to do this or 20 or, you know, what's the, and it's not age specific. I just started with young people because sometimes young people are the easiest to start with. Um, but it's open to anybody. And so we're, we're going to start it again next year in fall. And we look forward to that. Um, and Nate kind of came through it this year. And we're excited uh, to have Nate this Sunday uh, bringing us the word. And so would you give Nate a hand and bless him as he comes. Right on. How's that? So I don't know what you were expecting today. Like Matt said, we had Sydney and Dalen here last week. 
Maybe you showed up expecting a nice word from Matt, but I apologize for that. And if you're here today expecting another word from Matt, I, again, apologize, but we're happy you're here. So yeah, we're continuing our Equip and Release series. Last week, we had Sydney and Dylan sharing about the beauty of the difference, the difference between how we see ourselves versus how Jesus sees us. They also talked about um, that no matter what we've done, whether it's something that's happened to us out of our own control or something that we've chosen for ourselves, that Jesus does not discredit us from joining him in fellowship. So that's beautiful. I'm excited to share today. Um, and yeah, yesterday, yesterday we had my niece's birthday party. So it kind of had me reminiscing, thinking about birthday parties past. And so something we used to do every birthday party every year, me and my sisters, my mom over here would set up a nice piece of decorated cardboard painted like the sea or the, the ocean, the lake, and we get a nice little fishing rod and with a little magnet on the end. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but you'd throw this rod over and then seconds later you're reeling up a nice catch of jelly bellies and Tootsie Pops, Tootsie Rolls, Tootsie, right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something I got used to doing every year. Something I look forward to. Something that was uh, kind of like a ritual. And then I went out real fishing. We would throw our reels over from the back of the boat and wait just hours, literally hours, to catch something. It'd be hot. There'd be bugs. I remember one time we were out. It was me and my grandpa, and our motor died. And so we had, we had our paddles there, but we were on the opposite side of the lake. We kind of have like a place that we'll, we'll go and troll. And so we had to paddle back to shore. And we all know I was the one doing the work there. That's obvious. But this had me thinking. I, some, I think sometimes we, we expect that when we come to church, when we come before Jesus, we expect it to be like this magnet fishing experience where we, we come and sit and we receive without much intentional effort on our part. But I think as we come to church, as we come to Jesus, we find it's a lot more like this real fishing experience that it actually requires a, more of a cost, more time, more energy on our part. So I'm going to read John 6. You can take a look at the Sky Bible or take a look at your own here. All right. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd of people coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each to even have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But what good is that going to do? Where am I here? What good is that going to do? So Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I heard a story about a, a young preacher man, similar to myself. He had just graduated from Bible school, though, and he was invited back to his home church to share a message, preach a sermon. So he's excited. He, he spent hours preparing. He memorized the sermon word for word. And he got up in front of the crowd, and he smacked the pulpit and said, Jesus had 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fish and fed five people. Who here thinks they could do that? <laughs> So a man stands up, everyone's just roaring laughter. This, this man standing up here is just upset. Why is everyone laughing at me? So this man explains the problem. So he's so embarrassed, so ashamed, he sits down. Doesn't even have another word to say. And so the church came around him, and they were very gracious. They put his arm around him and said, why don't you give it another go next week? So he sat down. That whole week, he just prepared a sermon, and he got up there, smacked the pulpit. Jesus had five loaves, two fish, which is right and fed 5,000 people. Who here thinks they could do that? So that same man stands up and says, I could with the leftovers from last Sunday. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the story here. We see here a boy, five loaves, two fish, um, and we see that he passes it off to Jesus, and we see thousands fed. I'm sure at the beginning of the story, just picture you're this boy, you open up your lunchbox and you see five loaves. Imagine them the size of those loaves you stuff in your pocket at weddings, save room for food on your plate, or to even munch on when you're dancing later on. Come on, Mennonites. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and I just want to be clear, as I'm referring to this story, referring to our loaves and our fish, I'm referring to our personal time our energy, our effort, resources, giftings, opportunities, pretty much anything that we can give to benefit others. I'm just going to pray quick here. Yeah, Father, I thank you for this time. I just pray that you would speak through me right now. And I just pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you're saying, that you'd reveal to us our personal loaves and fish that we are holding on to. In Jesus' name. Right on. So I'm sure this boy could have easily said, you know what, I'm just going to keep my lunch to myself, kind of fishing, like singing into this magnet fishing mentality where he sits back, lets Jesus tend to his and everyone else's needs. But no, he actually entertains the idea, what if, yeah, what if Jesus can use this little that I have and do something great with it, something I can't even imagine? He could have sat there all day, counted his loaves, counted his fish, and compared it to the size of the crowd, letting doubt get in the way of being a part of something great that Jesus wanted to do. And I'm sure offering up his lunch, it was quite uncomfortable, kind of like this real fishing experience for me. Quite uncomfortable offering up your lunch. He doesn't know what Jesus is going to do. Maybe he won't even have lunch left for himself afterwards. Yeah. And I think the enemy can easily swoop in and feed us lies that when we offer up our loaves and our fish, our time, our energy, our money, there's not going to be left for ourselves. Or you only have five loaves, two fish. What good is that going to do with this demand around you? 
But we see in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, I'll read it here. I don't think it's on the screen. We see three servants, one trusted with five talents, five forms of currency, the other two and the other one. The first two servants go and trade with their talents and are both given back what they've poured out. The third servant went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. To the first two servants, the master later comes back and says, well done, you good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. But to the servant who went and buried his money, he came back and said, you wicked, lazy, slothful servant. If only you knew me, you would go and trade my money, go give my money away, and then when I come back, you would give back to me what is mine plus interest. So he took the talent away from the third servant and gave it to the one with most, because to everyone who has more will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who does not give away even what he has will be taken away. So here we see that, like in this story, if this boy was actually to hold on to what he had, it would actually be taken away in the end. I don't know why he'd hold it on. I don't know why we hold on to our loaves and fish. Maybe it's doubt that we don't have enough, or it's fear that we're not going to have enough left over for ourselves afterwards. But we actually see that when we look at Jesus, when we get to know Jesus, and when we really know him, we can trust that when we pour out our money, our, our finances, time, energy, our bread, our fish, that he's going to give an abundance back, not only for ourselves, but others as well, our church, our faith community. My hope for us on West is to realize the loaves and the fish that we have, get past the enemy's lies that it's not enough, or there's going to be none left when we give it away. And I want us to to see who Jesus is, get to know him, and trust that when we do pour out our bread and our fish, that there'll be an abundance left over. And I think we can often come to church with this magnet fishing mentality. We come, we sit, we receive, doesn't take much effort on our part except for waking up and getting to church. But I think when we come to church long enough, we're always going to end up hitting a crossroads where we see that it's actually not about us and we need to make a choice to pick up our cross and offer up our fish and loaves. And I think as we do that, we will find, even though it is quite uncomfortable, like this real fishing experience, we will find that as we offer what we have, Jesus can do much more significant things with it than we could have done on our own. And even in relation to church, in relation to volunteering, pouring out ourselves, you look at John 6, and you see this is actually the only story repeated in all four Gospels. But only in John is this boy actually mentioned, and he's not even named. Are we okay to volunteer and serve and pour out and offer Jesus our resources and energy, but not be recognized, but do it for the sole purpose of blessing others and glorifying Jesus. <laughs> so here we stand, we get stuck. We get stuck counting our loaves and our fish, get stuck counting the demands that are against us, the things that 
are against us. We look at our church building, we see our community, we see our finances, and we, we dwell on, well, if I just had more of this, if I had this, I could do this. But I think we need to change from that mentality, if I had blank, I could do blank, to I have this, imagine what Jesus could do with it. I think we look at our church building and we say, if we just had an established church, we can impact a community. But I think it's actually, look at this building we've been blessed with. Imagine the world of a difference we can make through the grace of God. If we keep getting stuck counting what we, we do and don't have, we're missing out on radical things that Jesus wants us to be a part of. I don't want to be stuck in in doubt and fear, looking at the things I'm missing or the things I wish I had more, and get stuck there and miss out what Jesus is doing and wants me to be a part of. What's our little that we need to get in his hands? You see, through the Bible, God uses a little boy and a little stone to defeat a Goliath. He he uses a little man with a speech problem to lead the people out of Egypt. What's our little? And you look at these accounts, even, especially with Moses, he had a lot of doubt. God comes to him, calls him to this crazy thing, and he has doubt, but Lord, I have a speech problem. But as he got through that, God used him for more than he could ever imagine. As we offer our faith, we're going to see mountains moved. We offer a little testimony, we're going to see souls saved. And it may not seem like much, it might even be just an affirming word to the, the grocery clerk at Safeway. It doesn't seem like much. We can, oh, I could say that, but what difference can it make in her life? But that one thing in Jesus' hands can, that could be exactly what she needed to hear that day. He'll use our little time our energy, our resources, our home, and our giftings to bless others, the church, and to glorify him. And there was a time I was sitting in one of these front rows here. I just started coming to Sun West, and I kind of had a revelation, a realization that this isn't about me. It's not about me coming every Sunday, sitting here, receiving, and heading back out. But it's actually far greater than that. I saw God bless me with so many things, so many giftings, and I didn't want to let that go to waste. So I made an intentional effort to offer it to him. I can honestly say that was probably the season where I saw the most personal growth in my life as I trusted him with these giftings I had that I could have looked at and said, oh, I'm not confident in speaking. I'm not confident in leading, and I could have got stuck on that, but as I offered that to Jesus, I've been a part of so many amazing experiences. And I I don't want us to think that the motive behind the sermon is that when we pour out our resources, our loaves and fish, that it's because we receive blessing in the end. I think, like I imagine myself sitting up here, and I think I did have selfish ambition I think I was in it for myself a little bit at the beginning, but I did see Jesus work through that. And I think over time as I see how I offer the little to him and how much he can do with it, my heart motive has changed. 
It's become a lot less about me, about blessing others and glorifying him. And even in my own life right now, this is the little that I'm offering right now. Yesterday I was so nervous. This morning I was so nervous. God, I'm not very confident. I'm not a good speaker. I have a monotone voice. What am I going to do? But he said, no, offer that little. And I guarantee I'm going to bless somebody through this. I'm going to speak through you. It just takes that surrender, that trust that when I offer this to him, he's going he's gonna to do so much more than I could have done on my own. If I got up here on my own, there's not a whole lot I could do. I'd probably just be stuttering like I kind of am right now. Oh, no. Am I on my own? No. But, yeah, I just love it. There's a lot of things in my life that I could look at, say, I'm not good enough at this. I don't have enough of this. I wish I had more of this, and then I could do that. But if I hold on to that, I'm not going to have much left in the end. But as I hand it off to Jesus, put it in his hands, he's going to do so many more significant things. We have nothing to give people without Jesus. Nothing to say, nothing to offer, nothing to give without him. What we do have to offer is something, or what we do have is something to offer to Jesus. And we take that little bit that we have, that we were saving for ourselves, and we give it to him. All of it. Here you go, Lord. And he's going to do so many amazing things with it. He's going to bless our church, our faith community, our homes, our families, ourselves in the end. Because a little in my hand becomes a lot in his. Let's pray. I thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. I just pray that this would not stay here. I just pray that you continue to reveal what the loaves and fish are in our lives. That you'd call us into this real fishing experience where it may not be easy, it may not be comfortable, it may take time. But that we can trust you. You show us that we can trust you with that little that we have. Yeah, I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Nate. Love it. Awesome. Nate, Nate was uh, doing what he was preaching on. So as you, you gave us what you had, buddy, we were blessed. And so way to go, buddy. Thanks. Um, yeah. And as we close, um, the band's going to lead us in a song of celebration here, which is, I think, a great way to end a baptism Sunday. Uh, But just have a sense that um, it is Father's Day, and you have a good Heavenly Father, and and He invites all of us to join Him in His family to be His sons and daughters. There may be some some of you who haven't taken that step before, and baptism has historically... Uh, been the event that marks that decision. Um, I don't have extra clothes for you, um, and I think we got one extra towel, but I, I, I think we ought to extend the invitation that if you'd like to be baptized this morning, uh, during the song, you come down to the front, um, and then uh, we can do it right here and now. Um, so uh, let me pray, and then if you're, if you're someone that God's tugging on your heart to go home wet, but to Uh, Go home making that statement today uh, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Um, We invite you to do that uh, even today. So, Father, we thank you that you're a good Father, that you call us into relationship with you. 
Um, and we just celebrate the stories this morning where, um, where people have made that decision uh, to call you Father, to call you Lord, to live their lives for you. Uh, and we thank you that regardless of what we have, um, you are enough. You're enough for us. You're enough for those around us. And so we just give you whatever we got, and we say thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us.